For today's podcast, we will be talking about evangelicalism, so please enjoy. Hence the Gregorian chants in the background. What is evangelicalism? Where does it come from? Why do I not ascribe to it? Things like this and much more. Enjoy. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. We want to thank you guys for joining us here at the Taco Shack in two separate locations because, again, we're still in quarantine. Um, how are you doing, Marcy? How are you doing during this quarantining COVID-19 stuff? I mean, for the most part, kind of like what I told you last week, like we have, Same thing. As, as a family, we have not had to make a lot of adjustments. Right. Um, but I know a lot of people have. Uh, apart from that, I think... Um, I don't know, man. It's been, it's, it's, it's just been, you know, yeah. not much you can do other than be home. And my world seems to be flooded with zoom calls more than anything. <laughs> so, yeah. I am like so tired of being in front of a computer. Yeah. Like I, I hate it. I hate it with a passion uh, it's super annoying and super just not fun, but it is what it is. And uh, some really cool things have come out of this for sure, like uh, learning how to engage with with people digitally and stuff. Um, also, like uh, man, some people I've been dropping stuff off in my, my doorstep, which has been really cool. Um, shout out to Asael and Sarai and Christina who brought me some food. That's been really awesome. Excuse me, um, but yeah, like it's been, it's been a trip so far. I, Texas will be the first state to start reopening next week because you yeah. know Texas is dumb. But well, I mean, it's it, it's going to depend. It is. It's going to depend though. On what? On the the guidelines released by uh, POTUS, like it's, POTUS, it's going to be governor led. Like the, right. the, the the reopening of every state is going to be governor led. But it's going to vary city to city, county to county, or county to county and city to city. And so, oh, really? So yeah. county has, has power over whatever is being said through government? Yeah. And so, oh, so wow. for instance, okay. some states will not reopen right away. And so the way I understand it is they have uh, set out three phases. Um, and so they set out three phases. And in order to even enter into phase one a state or a city or a county uh, must meet what they call gating criteria. Kind of like uh, there's there's some gatekeepers. Okay. So they need to meet gating criteria before they can even enter into phase one. Okay. Um, and in phase one, you know, some restrictions are lifted, but it's still like there's not a lot of change. So in a nutshell, phase one involves like, if schools are currently closed, they will remain closed. Uh, nursing homes, you are, uh, visitation is prohibited. Hospitals, visitation is prohibited. You can go into groups of no more than 10 people. Uh, you still have to promote social distancing and wear masks. Businesses can expand their services. So maybe like curbside services, limit the amount of people that go into the business, so stuff like that. To go into phase two... You need to, again, meet gating criteria. If you meet that criteria and you go into phase two, more restrictions are, are lifted. So okay. instead of groups of 10, now we go to groups of 50. Um, 
daycares and preschools can go ahead and open. Businesses can expand, um, I guess, uh, the amount of customers they allow to come in or clients to be in the in their proximity. All under the umbrella of you're still promoting social distancing. Um, businesses have to implement sanitation policies um, during that time. So go into phase three, again, gating criteria. If you meet that criteria, then the majority of the restrictions are lifted. So now we go from groups of 50 to groups of 100. Now businesses are allowed to open their doors a little bit more openly. Um, you know, so and then after if you want to get outside of, I think, phase three to go just back to everything completely open, um, then there's more gating criteria and then you're good to go. Um, gotcha. But yeah, so POTUS came out, I think it was a. Um, I think it was Thursday. Yeah, it was Thursday. And they un- unrolled this plan and primarily said, hey, this is these are the phases. We've signed off on these. And in order to execute this, these new guidelines, it's going to be governor led. So every state governor is responsible for the execution of these guidelines. And it's also going to vary city to city or county to county, city to city. So. As an example, McAllen, you know, where we're at, we might go into phase one before someone or somewhere like Houston, like Houston right. may remain under stay home orders and through the summer. Yeah. Or some like rural town outside of San Antonio might go into phase one or two before San Antonio proper does. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It's so interesting, man. Like. All this, like, uh, I keep reading articles, and maybe I should stop, but, like, um, <laughs> like all these, like, health experts and everybody is, like, totally saying, like, don't do this. Don't mm-hmm. do this. History has already shown us not to do this, and here we are, like, wanting to do this. And mm-hmm. so, it's just really interesting. I, I get the whole, like, rights and this and that, blah, 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 but, like... I don't know, man. Like, I'm like, just hunker down for a little bit and then you'll be fine, you know? And so I think that's going to be like, um, I think here's the other thing that I think. And and I feel like often I don't have an opinion on this because I'm often either taking addressing individuals who are like, my rights are being infringed upon. I'm like, okay, chill, man. (laughs) I still want you to love the one who is scared. Uh, they're not weaker than you. They're just scared. But then on the other side, I'm addressing people who are scared and be like, hey, those who feel very strongly about this not being necessary, that doesn't make them dumb or that doesn't make them, you know, anything else. You need to love them as well. And so I feel like sometimes I don't have an opinion because I'm just like, OK, just shut up. And uh, <laughs> and uh, but however, I think I think the whole hunkering down is going to be a lot more um, is going to be a lot more of a reality for us in our context right now for for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, the valley itself is still uh, two to three weeks behind the rest of the country. And yeah. so in some states, like I was meeting with pastors out uh, from from Acts 29 and this one dude in South Carolina, the small town, I think it's South Carolina, it's Rocky Mount, South Carolina. And he was like, we have uh, we're one of the cities in the country who has the lowest amount of cases. They only had like 70. Yeah. And he's like, no numbers are going up. We don't need like testing is happening, but there's not an increase of infection. 
So obviously they can jump back into some sort of normalcy sooner than we can. Whereas sure. we're two to three weeks behind, our numbers are still increasing. Yeah, doubling. Um, yeah, exactly. And so uh, I think like our context, we're going to be hunkered down a little bit longer. Um, not because it's worse, but because we're just we've just been behind everyone else. Yeah. And the second reason I think that's more of a reality for us is because oftentimes when I've seen the news or I've seen a couple of articles, the majority of those articles and opinions and news reports tend to be about really large urban contexts. Your New York's, New Jersey's, Houston's, uh, New Orleans and San Francisco's. And so a lot of people sometimes interpret that as a one size fits all. But the truth is like McAllen is nothing like a New York. Like we don't have people right. living on top of one another. Um, right. And for that matter, Texas is not like New York. There's a lot more land in the state of Texas uh, than there is in New York, despite mm-hmm. having um, metropolitan areas like DFW and huge sure. cities like Houston. So anyway, all that being said, I think we're going to be hunkered down in the valley for a little bit longer. I'd say maybe to June. Uh, but again, not because things are worse. It's just because we're behind. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that for sure. You know, it's it's um, I've also been reading like all these, well, you know me. So like I like conspiracy theories and stuff. Aliens <laughs> are are the ones leading the charge. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the green lizards, the lizard people. Um, <laughs> that's what Eric was telling me the other day. He's like, I seriously think it's the lizard people. <laughs> but like, there's this conspiracy theory about Bill Gates and like, uh, you know, the, the hidden government, the, I forgot what it's called, the dark government or something like that. Yeah. And like, um, you know, how deep the rabbit hole goes and all this other stuff. And, um, one of the things that I found super interesting, uh, Outside of all that, because I'm like, well, what else is going on or whatever, uh, is that like um, people are struggling with the idea of like, hey, we can go to H-E-B, but we can't meet at a church. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, we can go to Walmart, but we can't meet at a church. Um, and so like there was all these like uh, protests, you know, some of the people who are in the protest are like people that are like, yeah, we want to go back to church and this and that. And so how like our, our, our POTUS is like, hey, we're going to. We're going to start church, you know, this and that. And so then I started thinking like homeboy wants to open up a church because he's losing that vote. Like, <laughs> like he's, he's like, I need to pick this vote back up. And so like, uh, it's just, it's hilarious to think about like, uh, the evangelical right wing movement right, and how that has so much like a uh, pool yeah. and like policy, which brings us to our topic today, right? Evangelicalism. Um, and so what is, what is, what is evangelicalism? What is the issue with evangelicalism? Do I even want to be known as an evangelical? And right now, right off the top of my head, I can easily say that, no, I don't want to be known as an evangelical because of all the negative connotation that comes with it. However, if we look at the term itself, if we look at at the, we look at the history and what the purpose of that term, um, was and is and should be then we should have no issue with that term. Um, so today's topic, like you guys already heard, is evangelical evangelicalism. Uh, the do's, the don'ts, what's good, what's bad. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, there are a couple articles that we will link to our show notes so that you guys can go back and read them on your own. Um, I have two from Christianity Today, and then uh, Marco over here has one from Desiring God. That's a really good one. It's nice and lengthy, but... 
um, you know, you ain't got you, you ain't got anything else to do. Might as well read. Right. So um, let's start off with a, the term evangelical. Um, and if you don't mind, uh, Marco, just off the top of your head, what is that term? Like define that term in your words off the top of your head. And don't even, look at anything. OK, I'm not looking. I'm just looking at you. An evangelical is <laughs> an evangelical <laughs> is a is an individual who is a Christian because they have placed their faith um, in Christ alone uh, as a result of his gospel message. Ooh, that's it. and it's probably lengthy. fancy. That's all. That I'm just looking at you. I'm not even looking at anything else. Wow. A round of applause. <laughs> Insert applause sound here. <laughs> All right, fine. What uh, do you define an evangelical as? Go. Don't look at anything. Stop it. Go. Go. An evangelical is a person that uh, is... Um, <laughs> yeah. Is, not, not so fun being on the spot, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I ask the questions here, not you. You provide the answers. Uh, an evangelical is a person that follows Christ uh, and uh, believes in grace alone, Christ alone. That's how I would put it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, but if we look at the term and it's his historical account, like uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to read this little bit right here from Christianity Today. Is that all right? Yeah, go for it. The word comes from Greek word evangelion, which means good news or the gospel. Historians believe that William Tyndale, a leader of Protestant Reformation, was the first to record the English word evangelical. In 1531, Tyndale wrote a commentary on the book of John. He exhorteth them to proceed constantly in the evangelical truth. And so um, the word evangelical comes from like way back. It's from the 18th century, right? A lot of people, um, I guess, um, think when they think of the word evangelical in the historical account, you have names such as Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, Charles Spurgeon, Moody, uh, dudes, dudes of that type, right? The reformed movement, I guess you could say. Um and unfortunately, like that has switched drastically, mm-hmm. but in its root, in its historical account, like it simply means like good news, right? It comes from the, the Evangelion, which is good news. So it's a, it's a person that brings good news. So why wouldn't we want to be a part of that? Um, so there has been this massive um, switch in that term evangelical uh, and that that is kind of like a we kind of want to I don't know maybe clear the name or something. Um, should we restore it? Should we leave it? Like that that I guess is the question. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know me. I really appreciate words. I appreciate language, and so I think words are important. And um, and so as a result, if we're going to use words like evangelical. We need to know where they come from. We need to know why they exist. Uh, but then we also need to acknowledge how they are used today and whether or, whether or not words like that are, I don't know, worth reviving or I should say worth reforming. Um, That's good. Yeah. And so uh, and I'm sure you would find people on both sides of that. Like, yes, we should totally reform the word evangelical because it, it derives from the word, the Greek word evangelion, which means good news. And so therefore we are 
heralds and messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm like, yeah, we should totally reform that. Uh, and then there are those who would say, I don't, I think we should put it on a shelf because uh, it's definitely lost some credibility in the last 40 and 50 years. Um, and, um, or since then it's been losing credibility. Mm-hmm. And as a result, it's, it seems to be more associated with a political party than an individual who bears and heralds the good news of Jesus. Yeah. So you had mentioned there a political party. Now yeah. that is one of those things that like, uh, is really, uh, affecting the church in its yeah. entirety as an organization, um, heavily. Right. Uh, yeah. Like it's it's um, it's really sad to see that um, that the church is leaning so heavily on law, uh, on policy. I guess I should say. Um, can you tell us? We were talking offline, and you were talking about um, Billy Graham mm-hmm. um, and how he was uh, being, I guess, used in the same um, same light as politicians of, of, of his time um he right here like a one of the term well the term evangelical is sometimes uses an all-encompassing term for christians yeah. and so he himself would be um iffy about that so tell yeah. us what you read in that article yeah so man i'll, I'll kind of give us a broad timeline and you can uh read these articles to get a little bit more detail uh, but to begin, in the 18th century, primarily during the Great, Great Awakening, the term evangelical was primarily used as an adjective. It wasn't a noun. Yeah, right? there you go. It was like, so I'm an evangelical preacher. In other words, I'm going to preach the good news of Jesus, right? Uh, I'm an evangelical, I don't know, congregant, right? So I believe yeah. in the good news of Jesus Christ, right? And so it's important to know in the 18th century, especially during the time of the Great Awakening, the term evangelical was used primarily as an adjective, and it wasn't until somewhere around the 1940s that it became a noun. And so as a result of that, we fast forward into the 50s where Billy Graham, the great evangelist, is like preaching to you know th- hundreds of thousands of people. He's preaching the, the, the gospel of Jesus. Well, in the midst of that, um, politicians such as uh, eventually eventual presidents uh, were attracted to that. And right. um, and so I'm skipping over a lot of history. Again, you can read the articles to get a little bit more information. But um, under the guise, uh, under the guide of uh, Billy Graham, like he influenced um, Eisenhower. He influenced uh, even guys like, uh, like Nixon. However, right. these were individuals who had um, no desire to see... Uh, Sinners' heart renewed by the grace of Jesus through the Holy Spirit so that they would come in to know and love Jesus. Like they did not have a desire for that, but they did have a desire to use evangelical like language in order to sway people on their vote. And predominantly it was conservative uh, Christians, right? And so shortly after periods uh, of uh, especially during the time of Billy Graham later on he even goes on to say like like what you mentioned not only did he not know but he also goes on to mention like um, yeah I kind of allowed them to use some of that language um, mm-hmm. because it, it certainly presents a symbol of not godly character but it presents a symbol of uh, American morality um, right 
And so, uh, but you, you see this even in, for instance, like democratic presidents. I remember yep. Maya and I watched the inauguration of Obama and I remember him saying to quote scripture and he goes on to, I forgot to quote what part of the Bible, but, um, his rhetoric was excellent. Um, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that his heart has been transformed and it, he has surrendered and submitted himself to the Lordship of Jesus. Right. And so you what? see this big transgression over, and that's just the, I guess the, the, I, I suppose the presidential side of things influenced by men like Billy Graham. I don't want to say he's the only one. Right. And then we kind of come to today where it seems more like a political <laughs> affiliation as yeah. opposed to um, an adjective to describe what I do and what I believe. Yeah. I think if we were to look at, at a graph, if we were to look at a graph of the word or the term evangelical or evangelicalism, we'd see that it starts off with this idea of being different. We see that it starts off with this idea of reformation. We see that it starts off with, uh, with this idea of good news, right? And what does good news do? Well, good news offers hope, right? And so if it offers hope, then why wouldn't people be using it more often, right? right. And so, yeah. and then Billy Graham comes over and he's like offering this hope for people, this left and right. Um, you know, and so then you see uh, politicians start using that same language because, hey, this offers hope, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it's this like, this um, this really interesting way of control, uh, mm-hmm. this really interesting way of um, telling people what they want to hear and uh, showcasing hope um, in an argument in a debate, uh, so that people can then in turn vote for you. And then after, so they're using it for their essential, like a campaign or whatever you want to call it. And then nowadays it's almost like, uh, like you said, it's, it's a, it's a almost like a party on its mm-hmm. own, Yeah, you know? And it's super interesting to see that because it all started off with this idea of new birth, this idea of, uh, of hope, this idea of bringing the good news. And now here we are, it's like an influential party, in a in a in in a democracy, which is so bizarre to me, but um, I mean, it, it, they took something so great and just twisted it, um, and so now, like, you have uh, this idea that evangelicals are fundamentalist, and those mm-hmm. fundamentalists are, um, you know, extreme right wing. Legalists. Yeah. Legalists. Yeah. Right. And so now you've dirtied up the waters with the terms even with the term evangelical. Something so great is now something so um, looked down looked looked at as this extreme um, not loving like I don't know, whatever you want to call them, I guess, legalistic, fundamentalist. Well, Um, again, because I think, I think the term evangelical, especially in political spheres has become more about, um, morality than, uh, gospel centrality. Um, there's a, there's a, uh, a quote here by, uh, I forgot his name, the author from desiring God, his last name is kid. And he's writing about the transition or the the, the progression of the word uh, evangelical. And he goes on to say, Moreover, it has become so common for people who do not attend church to identify as evangelicals that 
pollsters routinely include a substantial category for, quote, non-churching evangelicals, end quote. That phrase should seem oxymoronic, but it doesn't to many religion writers. Mm. And, um, and so, yeah, so there's, uh, there's, there's an issue with that. Like you can yeah. be a non-church going evangelical. No, that's, no, that's not how this works. Right. And evangelical, um, is an individual that has, uh, been saved by faith alone through grace alone and Christ alone and heralds that message. Mm. And so I think, um, we begin to, um, we begin to get into issues of certainly character and morality uh, because I think in light of the way it's become and in light of its progression, politicians, many politicians would argue that character has more to do with morality than being in Christ. Um, yeah. And I think they would say that because many of them at the end of the day don't know who Jesus is. Right. Yeah. And so so you lean towards morality and and lean towards what is right. But the question even there is like, fine, lean towards what is right. But how do you know what is right? Yes. Like you have to have a source for truth. And if the source of truth is not, um, man, the um, inspired word of God that we see uh, where he reveals himself to us, then uh, where, where this kind of goes back to what we talked about last week. So if it's not if, if the word of God is not where you're pulling your source of truth from then is truth beginning with what you think it is? And therefore, from there, you're constructing your uh, your narrative. Well, right. Yeah, then we're off to the wrong foot, man. Yeah, that's good. I think, um, I think it's, it's such a, it's, what's the word? It's not, not a disgrace. <laughs> uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's sad, you know, to, to, um, to see something like that, like a uh, kind of fade away and fade into a political dealing sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that's that's what we're seeing today. And like you and I both know, like um, you know, artists or, and even people that mm-hmm. are like, uh, you know, like I don't even want to be associated with that term anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. um, and it's and it really does come down to like. Um, that term now equates policy, like yeah. geopolicy. It equates right-wing extreme fundamentalism, legalism. It, that's, yeah. you know, and so what do those things lack in? Well, those things lack in love, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, and, you, and there's such a crossover, too, in evangelicalism and fundamentalism, like the inerrancy of scripture, uh, you know, things like that. Like mm-hmm. some things that are like close-handed that they are, do they, they do crossover. Um, but when it comes down to like... Uh, the, the they 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 I forgot what I had told you earlier, but it's something to the extent of they learn to love the law and forget the God uh, the mm-hmm. the God of love, right? And so, yeah. um, this other article that I was reading on the crisis of evangelicalism states this: it says, um, uh, McLaren's dis- disillusionment was intensified by the increasing alignment of conservative Christians with politics of the right. Fast forward to November 9th, 2016, the day after Donald Trump was elected president and the disillusionment had spread and had turned into anger for many evangelical leaders when we were told that 81% of voters who identified as evangelical voted for Trump, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, there's people like Andy Minio who, like, even put this in his song, 
which is really interesting. Uh, and then he's, he goes on to say, um, Fuller Theological Seminary President Mark Laberton summarized the crisis of evangelicalism at a national gathering of evangelical leaders at Wheaton College in 2018. He called it political dealing, and he, uh, and he castigated evangelicals for grasping the political, at political power for racism, for nationalism, and a lack of concern for the poor. As is obvious, he was only talking about conservative evangelicals, but to him and many elite evangelicals, it is these evangelicals who constitute the crisis of evangelicalism today. And so because of that, you see a lot of uh, previous evangelicals switch their, or want to distance themselves from that term because that term essentially equates the policies that we're living under right now, mm-hmm. uh, or the, the our POTUS, you know, unfortunately, like... Um, and so they're dropping that label, preferring to be labeled as followers of Jesus or red letter Christian or just Christian itself. Yeah. Not that any of those things are bad, um, but now we have lost a great term, you know, like yeah. uh, we, we have lost it to uh, extreme um, right wing uh, nationalistic, uh, you know, fundamental legalistic folks. And so yeah. like a lot of us, like even... Um, like you and I've had had this conversation offline, where I think I would consider myself a post-evangelical. Um, you know, like uh, I wouldn't, like I can honestly say right now, I don't want to be considered one because of the connotation that it brings. Like I don't want people to say like, "Oh, that guy's an evangelical," and have all of that that's already been established by the by the nationalistics, like mm-hmm. um, it on me. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't want to be known for that, like at yeah. all. Um, and so, um, one of the things that they do lack in is the idea of love, um, which again is is foundational mm-hmm. in in the gospels. It's foundational in the good news. Like you can't. There are two things that good news cannot have. At least the good news that we, we we're trying to say. Like the two things that it cannot live without is um, love, which in its umbrella it has grace mercy forgiveness you know we have that scripture love is kind love shows no anger shows no like it, what does it say um keeps no record of wrong right so there's love and then the other one is absolute justice yes like you can't you can't have um good news without something being destroyed to be built back up mm-hmm. and so i fully understand that but it needs to be a balance. And so extreme right takes the law, extreme left takes the takes on to too much grace and forgets justice. And so the 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 truth in this is is in the middle. And I think it comes from what you were saying, like uh, like where does it come from? What, what's your foundation? What is the first? Is it the is it scripture or is it you? Um, and so, it's, it's interesting to see that, unfortunately, uh, people are leaving not just the term, but leaving the whole idea of, um, I guess, to, to put it, to, for lack of a better term, Christendom, mm-hmm. because of policy, because yeah. of POTUS, like, because of people that are, you know, like... <laughs> too in love with the nation that they forget to love Jesus sure. and to and forget to love their neighbor. Yeah. Um, 
And so that, that's, it's unfortunate, but. But I think I here's the other thing. I would, I would, I would argue a couple of things. I would argue number one, I think that's part of the problem with what evangelical evangelicalism is. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the problem of evangelical are individuals who are unregenerate. There are mm-hmm. individuals who would consider themselves to be evangelical and are unregenerate. In other words, they their heart has not been renewed. They actually yeah. don't know Jesus. Um, they don't live a life that is marked by His Word and godliness. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and and that's part of what the article is getting at. And so, um, again, I think at, if you want to consider it an affiliation, right, in terms of our day. Oftentimes, evangelicalism is uh, associated with uh, with morality, with like American morality, um, and so there's. I think there's a couple of there's a couple of things to then address and just be totally honest about, right? Like number one, um, yeah, even within like you mentioned, eighty percent of evangelicals I think voted for for Trump, right? You made that statistic. The first thing that I thought was. In light of the statistics and in light of what the language, what the word has become, I'm like, okay, yeah, 80% of evangelicals voted for Trump. Okay, were they really? Were they really evangelicals? Yeah, that's um, like your first question. Yeah, are that's my first really? question. I'm like, yeah, but are you, were they um, regenerate? Because at that yeah. point, it's like, okay, fine. Like, if you're regenerate and you had these convictions and you voted for him, okay, cool. Like, that's your prerogative. But in right. addition to that, if you're saying, oh, I'm an evangelical and I voted for Trump, but your life, regardless of who you voted for, your life is not marked by um, uh, the word of God at work in you and is not by, marked by godliness. That's what I want yeah. to talk about. I couldn't care less who you voted for. I want to tell you about Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. so so that's the first thing I, I then think about. Because you're right. They're in extremes. Um, one tends to favor not so much the gospel, but they tend to favor things about the gospel. So you could look at right wing, what you said, like extreme right wings are big on morality. Okay, fine. Be big on morality and and at least say that, but don't use gospel centered evangelical language. If you want to be big on morality, be big on morality. But the question still stands. Well, then how do you know what is true? How do you know what is right? Well, we need to talk about the gospel. If you look at what you mentioned, like, oh, extreme lefts, where it's all about grace. Sure. Okay. So there's licensing. You pick and choose what you like about God and what you like about the people of God. How do you know that that's good? Well, because we need to go back to the gospel. So I would bring both there. And so, um, man, I think if somebody were to call me like, hey, you're an evangelical, I'd be like, yeah, I am. And because I love, like, I would, I would use that as a evangelistic opportunity, you know what I mean? Um, I would use that as an evangelistic opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Um, and in addition to that, like the church always has a lot of heat on her. Um, I don't I don't think um, the term evangelical is going to keep me from having heat on my back because of poor representatives in the faith throughout history. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, you know, I I uh, I love reading Calvin, and he set a guy on fire. So, <laughs> you know, like, Home was uh, a murderer. Yeah, and so it's just kind of like, hey man, yeah, there's there's gonna be some heat on us just for being Christian. You could use whatever term you'd like, but there's gonna be some heat on us uh, for for being Christian. I think the term evangelical is no is no different than that. Um, so sure, how we use it, yeah, let's be careful about it. Let's promote uh, reformation. Like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. 
I don't think I'm going to have more heat on me or less heat on me. Um, telling people, sharing the gospel with people is already going to be offensive because I'm calling them a sinner in need of a savior. I don't need to be um, labeled as an evangelical to do that. You have a yeah. lot of dogs, man. I have, yeah, I have two. Um, <laughs> but the let me go and stop them from barking yeah, and go. you need to continue talking. Yeah, I'm not going to talk. <laughs> Apologize, <it's> folks. <laughs> Give me a second. Keep talking. You what have do to I keep say? talking. Give me a question. Talk. Okay, here's your question. Uh, Are you, you ready for it? Yeah. What do you say to the fundamental who calls himself an evangelical and says, I did what I did because I am a nationalist? Boom. What do I say to the fundamentalist who considers themselves an evangelical and they also can, I don't remember, I don't remember his question. Something about national, I think they think of themselves as a national, nationalist. Okay. Processing his question. What do I say to the fundamentalist who thinks he's an evangelical? I guess I would begin by asking uh, him to define uh, evangelicalism for me first. Um, and then from there, uh, then I could begin to, I think, dig and look at different avenues to talk about fundamentalism, to talk about nationalism. Uh, but I think both are going to boil to where I want to get to the heart of why he considers himself an evangelical. So, okay, you just got back. Serge just got back, guys, and he just told his dogs to shut up. Um, oh my god, it's my neighbors, dude. I swear. What? Okay, oh. so pause on whatever it is that you're saying. I'm sure it was great and delicious and awesome. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> so check it. My neighbors have like I don't I don't know. It's a really pretty home, um, but there's like one, two, three, four, five, like five cars, maybe. Uh, and they do this thing where they each park. Like whenever they get back from wherever it is that they went and they stay in their car for like ever, like legit. And so it drives my dogs crazy, like because there's like somebody outside, you know, and they just they haven't gotten into their house yet. And they're just in their car just doing God knows what. And so they keep barking and barking and barking. And so I went out just now. And sure enough, like Cairo and Puzzles are out the window and staring at this person that's in their car, just chilling. Like, I, I don't know what, why they do that, but like all four or five people that live there legit do that. They stay in yeah. their cars. So like, I'm guessing it's like, oh, I need a, some time away from these people or whatever. Yeah. From my time away from my roommates. Cause they're probably evangelicals. Cause they're evangelicals. <laughs> <laughs> So whatever it was that you said sure sounds good. I like yeah. it. Yeah. No. So the question, right. So the question was, <laughs> how do you, what, how do you address a fundamentalist who calls themselves an evangelical and they're a nationalist? Yeah. Right. I would, I would start with the evangelical part. I would say, okay, define that for me. First, okay. define that for me. Um, because it, it has to take root in the gospel. And so, and because of that, we can stay there to address everything else. Right. Because in the gospel, not only are we going to address the condition of, of who we are, and that is that we are sinners. We're also going to address um, uh, the primary mission of Jesus, and that is to reconcile man to God. In the gospel, we're going to address that we are going to be 
um, our hearts are going to be transformed in light of what God reveals to us about himself through his word and godliness. And so they could tell me all day long about how much of a fundamentalist they are, and they could tell me all day long about them being nationalists. I'm going to primarily stick to, um, man, the word of God. And, and uh, if they are my Christian brother and sister, I'm going to judge them from that. Um, so that I could either provide, so that I could either learn, right? So what is that? Uh, um, it's second Timothy three sixteen. all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for correction and reproof and for training in godliness. And so I want to learn something from them for sure. I want to, I want to chew some meat, right? But in addition to that, I want to be able to reprove them. Uh, for the sake of correcting them, not in terms of this is what is right, but so that they would be, so that they're, they would look at, for instance, their political convictions through the lens of the gospel as best as possible. <clears throat> and so, but yeah, I would, that's where I would start. That's you, good. Hey, tell me why you're an evangelical. I'm uh, not. You know, because even if oh, they say, well, obviously me. because of the gospel, <laughs> I'd be like, okay, yeah, let's talk about that. So let's so, talk about that gospel yeah, piece. Yeah, so let's talk about that. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Uh, so you would say, yeah, I'm cool with subscribing under the evangelical term. I'm saying I'm not cool with subscribing under the evangelical term. We're both saying that the term has itself mm-hmm. been destroyed by... Um, by theocracy, it's been st- mm-hmm. been destroyed by, uh, an unfortunately, has been used for, for uh, things that um, sh- it shouldn't have been used for. Yeah, um, it's lacking a lot, uh, and we're forgetting the history of it. We're forgetting the purpose of it. The mm-hmm. whole purpose was so so that it can be essentially bearers of good news, right? Yeah. Uh, and we have forgotten the, that good news. In fact, this Christianity Today article ends. The article, the dude ends the article with say, saying, we have forgotten God, period. Yeah. You know, and so it, it comes down to what you were saying, like the, the foundation of it, the, um, the, the basis, the concrete of it is, is in the scriptures, right? Like, um, and so it's good to really go back and look at those, yeah. um, to try to maybe in the words of Rage Against the Machine, take the power back. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I did think, quote Rage. What? Yeah, that's what? good. Good, good job. Uh, <laughs> no, cause, so here, here's what I think is even more, um, not tricky, but I do think, but here's something that's really important, right? So in light of this, we're just looking at a super huge overview of history in terms of where the, the original, the, the origin of the word, how it's been used, goes from adjective to noun we're looking at the 40s the 50s and then today right and so we're we're, we're kind of just taking this 20 30,000 foot view of what has happened right right and so in light of that then here the, the question then is okay so how does the church um, properly engage for instance that that term because there are individuals who will refer to Christians whether they are politically savvy or not. They're going to, um, and, and, or whether they're politically savvy or not, or regardless of their political affiliation, they're going to refer to them as Christians. Like you may yeah. say, you know, yeah, I don't like the word. Like, okay. And people are still going to call you that. So then 
as a result of that, how does how does the church then engage, the, you know, that kind of a that kind of a culture? Like at some point, we kind of have to. Um, right. You know, I know a couple of things of not to do. Like I'm not going to the pulpit to preach about um, political affiliations. I'm there to preach. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm yeah. there. I'm, I'm going to preach about that Jesus saves sinners. Like that's what we're going to be talking about, regardless right. of your political affiliation, because you're both sinners and you need a new heart. Um, but then you Boom. got the, the the pastor from um, oh First Baptist Church in Dallas. Uh, he threw like during the last election, he threw like a like a Fourth of July America. Type sermon, <laughs> like like on a Sunday, like he had fireworks in the church and he was promoting what? like American, uh, what's it called, patriotism, uh, which is not bad. Hey man, patriot- no? I'm, I'm not knocking that. I don't think the gathering, of the local assembly, is the, <laughs> the place for that. Um, but yeah, dude, this uh, man, I can't remember his name. His name escapes me. But yeah, First Baptist Dallas, I think he was just wow. like fireworks. Patriotism, Trump. This is why you need to vote this way. So, so things like that. Like I look at and I'm like, you're jacking it up for the rest of us. For the rest of us, yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> That's not to say that people shouldn't um, be involved in politics. That's not to say that um, policy is unimportant. Man, we we need solid Christian men and women in politics who are going to engage those really tough topics. And, um, it's not always going to go well. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm I understand that. Um, yeah, I think those but, solid men and women in policy should uh, be with what you said, like, uh, uh, be led with what you said, which is, uh, beginning with scripture, beginning mm-hmm. with the good news. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, not beginning with nationalism. Um, we're at 45 minutes, so we need to close it out, but oh, yeah, I think that um, I think we need to we need to all take a a page shot of your book when you were saying like, uh, hey, it's not like I'm not going to engage with those people. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to ask them so I can learn myself and so that I can help them learn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the unfortunate piece is that uh, a lot of them don't like to uh, discuss. They like to tell. Um, yeah. At least from from my experience, I'm speaking yeah. just from my experience right now. Um, and so it's really hard to have that discussion with them because, yep. um, again, like they like to talk, they don't like to listen a lot. And so I guess our job in that is to continue to pursue that. Um, yeah. You know? Cause I think, I think so. it goes both ways, right? You got like, for instance, that individual who's a fundamentalist considers himself an evangelical and is also a nationalist. And so, yeah, I, I want to engage them with what they believe an evangelical is. But in addition to that, I want to engage the individual who is a licensing scripture, calls himself an evangelical, um, and is um, uh, picking and choosing what they like about scripture to fuel their political uh, convictions and direction. So I'm like, okay, so tell me what an evangelical is. Uh, And I, because I think both of them are going to want to talk and tell and be like, yes, tell me more. Like, I I want to engage, I want to engage both because. I don't think we see Jesus not engage both sets of people. He is engaging right. uh, religious people. He is engaging sinners who are so far gone from religion. And he's like, yeah, man, I want to hang out. Yeah, let's hang out. Let's yeah. do it. I want to I want to uh, hang out. I think the majority of his ministry was spent. Uh, I read an article or excuse me, a book that I can't remember. The majority of his ministry was spent either going to a meal, being at a meal or leaving a meal. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And so and that goes for both sides, right? 
the, the far right and the far left. Um, and my phone just fell down. There we go. Uh, the far right and far left. Um, you know, go have a meal. Not right now. Don't stay at home. Stay at home. Don't don't have be a meal don't, through Zoom. To have a meal through Zoom. Don't be dumb. Stay home. Um, but uh, I want you to read that last paragraph yeah. that you read, and then we're going to close off with that because we're definitely way above time. Okay, cool. So here Go is, um, this is Thomas Kidd, and this is how he concludes his article on the Desiring God. He Thomas writes, Kidd. That's his name. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Should what we the? keep fighting to redeem the term evangelical, or oh, is it right. time to put it on a shelf as an unfortunate casualty of religious right politics? As a biblical term, we can't dispense with it. We will always be people bearing good news of Christ's mercy for sinners. As a historical term, it points to a cloud of witnesses from every tribe, tongue, and nation who have proclaimed that good news. But as a contemporary label, Christian leaders should be judicious about how and when they employ evangelical. If we are not careful, our hearers may think that the news we're proclaiming has more to do with GOP strategy than the fate of their souls. Boom. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are signing off. We are at The Confessional Taco at Instagram, Twitter. Are we on Facebook? We are on Facebook, We're on Facebook, yeah. Yeah, look at that. We're on the Facebook. I I feel like I knew that already. Did I know that? No, whatever. (laughs) Uh, Feel free to email us. What are your thoughts on this? Are you an evangelical or do you consider yourself a post-evangelical? What does that even mean? Sorry. Post-evangelical. That is another podcast. But post-evangelical, I'm guessing... You don't even know what it means and you subscribe to it. (laughs) Yeah, because that's what I am. Uh, It's uh, uh, just getting away from that that term. (laughs) Right. It's getting away from that term. Um, But anyway, let us know. What are your thoughts? Uh, And then um, send Marco some some threat emails, email threats. That'd be fun. Sure. He loves those. All right. Signing off. Confession taco. Deuces. And we'll send Marco to